Thanks for tuning in to the audio edition of our Sunday sermons. For more information about Cornerstone, visit cornerstonerome.com. We've been talking about the core, and I titled this message, The City Gates, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment. But just remember what I said about the core. Um, I don't know if you work out or exercise, and if you do or don't, don't worry about it. Um, I mean, you probably should do something, I guess. Um, I shouldn't say don't worry about it. <laughs> Here's what I found. When I, did, when I was in construction years ago, I was much more active. I had much more muscle. I had more, like, I could do more things, just jump on it and go, right? But I found out that, that you know, when I started pushing pencils, it's kind of what I call you know, office work. When you, when you do office stuff, you're not near as active as you. And so when you jump out and think, well, I just do what I did, you don't, it, you know, stuff don't work like that. You know, you kind of have to stretch more. It's weird. But when I was very active outside, I didn't have to deal with as much exercise or whatever. And what I've found is, after learning a few things about the core, is physically your core, the center of who you are, this strength part of you, why they make you do planks and all that mess, is because they're trying to strengthen the core. This helps you at every age of life, but particularly as you age, you know, your balance and things like that is all affected by the core. You know, it doesn't matter. Listen, guys, it don't matter if you're like, you know, whatever age, if you're still pumping, that you're like, watch out, baby, yeah. You're like, you think it's cool because you bench press and put a couple of plates on. It does not matter later on. What matters is, can you do anything with that strength? Because you can be super strong here and still not be able to be, you know, kind of agile, if you will. It's all about strengthening your core. Well, I said spiritually, it's no different. I think spiritually, God has a core that he wants to develop within us. And there are some key areas that I wanted to talk about that, from, as a Christian that I believe are really, really important for you. They're important for all of us. And we started first with the heart. If your heart's not right, if the heart isn't first and foremost understood as an individual, if that's not right, it's going to be hard to do anything more. It starts right there with the heart, my personal heart. If I have offenses, if I have issues, if I don't deal with me, then I can't even begin to help you. It's the whole thing Jesus said, you know what, if you, know, you want to help your neighbor and they got a splinter in their eye, that's great. But it's going to be difficult if you've got a two-by-four coming out of yours. Jesus said that, not me. Can you get the picture? Hey, you got a, you got a splinter in your eye, I'm going to help you. You know, you got a two-by-four. It's kind of weird him saying that, but you get, the, you get the picture. And then we talked about your voice. Why is your heart so important? Because out of the abundance of your heart... Your mouth speaks. Whether you meant to say it or didn't mean to say it is irrelevant. You, you wanted to say it. It just came out in a way you didn't mean to say it, but the content of what you wanted to say was what you wanted to say. Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So the heart has to be right first. Then we move over to our voice. Why is the voice important? Because you need to have friends, a group, somebody you can dialogue with that you can begin to express what's going on in here so that you can be healed. We gave you illustrations of this. We said, look, there are certain scriptures you cannot do that Jesus commanded you to do if you say, I'm just me and all by myself and I'm fine. Why do you need relational? Even if it's not in a small group that's in the book, you need relational groups. Somebody, at least two or three. Why? Because James said, confess your, you know, confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. You can't do that unless there's more people in the room. Jesus said, if any of you if any two or three of you get together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. He also said, if any two of you agree and come together and touching any one thing, asking of my, me in my name, in the name of the Father, I'll do it for you. That means it's beyond you. It takes a group. So the heart's got to be right first. That's a core issue. 
But just as much as that, you have to have a relational groups. You can't have church just alone. Relational groups help, help your soul, helps you develop. Then we said the congregation, this is where it matters. Because you move from the heart to relational groups to this. And this is where God talks about his church. And we're not the only one. We're one of many in town. This is a group, a congregation. And we're supposed to be together. That means when you hurt, I hurt. But I might not know you hurt if I'm not in your relational group. But we're together. We do things there. We're a congregation. And it matters that you're together. It matters. Why does all that make sense? Why does it even matter? Pastor, why can't I just come to church, come and go? Nobody knows my name. It's okay. I don't have to be like cheers. I can just skip out. No one knows my name. It'll all be great. Because a congregation affects a city. Every congregation affects a city. And when a congregation does not have healthy individuals or healthy groups, that congregation is a reflection of what's going on down the line. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, everybody wants to change the city, but I think we forget it doesn't get changed with one person. Billy Graham didn't reach America by himself. You understand how many people it took? And how many churches partnered with him to make that happen? God never intended for one person to take over and do it all. He intended for his church to collectively take over and rule and reign in a sense. So this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about city gates and why that matters. So I don't know if you have a gate in your home or anything like that. You ever, I mean, we have a saying that if you live in the country, people say things like this, man, you're looking at me like a cow at a new Gate. Only a few of y'all heard this, right? You put up a new gate for a cow, it's the funniest thing ever. They do look at it. I've seen it myself. They will come up to it, look at it, look at you, eat some more grass, look back at it. They're mesmerized. It's a, for me, it's a gate. What does it matter? Apparently to a cow, it means something. I don't know. So my house, remember a couple of years ago, when, that, when we had, we've had numerous times where this has happened, straight line winds would come through and things like that. Well, in our pasture, we don't have livestock. I don't have to deal with, you know, cows and whatnot on my end of property, but my neighbor has a cattle farm. He's got a couple of hundred head of black Angus, which that may mean nothing to you except when you go eat one. It, it matters. They're expensive. Uh, McDonald's does not sell black Angus. They may say they do. <laughs> that ain't black Angus. Go to somewhere downtown, one of the restaurants, maybe Harvest Moon, somewhere. they use real, like, that's the real deal. That's why it costs more. So, you know, your 99 cents hamburger, I promise you, is not certified. They say it is. It must be leftover certified. You know what I mean? They just threw it on a blender. There you go. A little something else probably in there. But, but so he has very expensive cows in his, in his pasture. And I was in the tree got knocked over with a straight line wind, blew the thing over on the fence. It hit mine, which didn't matter. But when it hit his, it destroyed, it broke it in half. And I was down doing some things. I saw it. And I was like, man, I couldn't get him on the phone. I didn't have the material. Look, it knocked down a fence post, and between, I didn't have enough material. I didn't have time to get cement, fix a post. That's hours. I didn't have time for all that. I'm like, man, I don't want these cows getting out, though, because they get in my pasture. I've got holes everywhere. I mean, they'll just be out and out in the road, and people going to get hit and all kind of mess. So all I had, I looked, and I had a gate. It was just a, about an eight-foot gate, and I had two, you know, you know, lag hinges. And so in less than an hour, I had it fixed, put that on there, put the gate on it, locked it down. 
And the thing about the gate is it stayed up there for over a year or so, I think, because, you know, for him it was like, well, that fixed the problem. I don't have to deal with it right now. So, you know, he finally fixed it and put page wire up and get all the whole thing done. But the thing about the gate was, here's the interesting thing. Uh, that gate, we had some issues with some beaver and things like that. That gate, it allowed me to open the, the thing. I could go through it, lock it back, fix some things that were damaged by beavers, go back through it, lock it, and keep his cows in it. I know it sounds simple, but I don't want to overlook the simplicity of this, but please hear me. A gate is a very significant thing. Gates do really two things. They are designed to keep something in or they are designed to keep something out. Seems simple enough, I know it, but that's, well, that's pretty much what gates do. And a city is only as strong as its gates, which why a congregation matters. Because every one of us in this room, believe it or not, you may think you don't, but you have some responsibility about those gates in the city. What is allowed to come in and what is allowed you know, to go out, what is permitted to come in, what's kept out, that all rests on the church, not the government. Oh, yeah, no. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought they're responsible for, you know, whatever. I thought they're the ones that, that matter. They, they vote on stuff, you know, liquor sales here or, or these stores there or this comes in town here. No, 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 no. They vote on it, but they're only voting on what congregations permit. I say, well, how's that possible? Because we overlook the spiritual gates because we're too busy looking on physical gates. We think that it doesn't matter because of individuality. We think it doesn't matter if I do my own thing. I'm on my own. I'll do my thing. It doesn't matter. I don't like anybody getting in my business. I don't need groups. I'm just me. I can do me just fine. But the problem with that is when it's just you, you're not together with a congregation, we lose the power that you bring to the table. You may think that is insignificant. That doesn't matter. Oh, but Paul said it does. And so did Jesus. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But whatever comes into a city, governments only respond by what churches allow. And I'm not talking about pickets and, and, and mad people and doing all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about spiritually our part. So let me share a couple of things with you about some gates. And these are important. There's more than this, but I just wrote down a few that I felt would be pertinent for this morning. Number one, there's individual gates. These are the gates that start at home. Let me throw some things out to you. In our house, there's certain gates we have up that we don't let certain things in our house. Now, for you, you might let them in your house, and that would be just fine because it's not a doctrinal issue. For us, we may say, well, I don't let my kids watch that movie at that rating. or We look at certain things. I may not want to watch my kids watching that. For you, you might say, I don't see the harm in it. Okay, that's you, and that's your individual gate. You're welcome to do that, but watch this. You come to my house, I'm not opening my gate for it. Just like if, you, if I go to your house, that gate might be open, but I might say, well, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. It's not a doctrinal issue. It's an individual gate. Everybody understand what I'm saying, right? We have individual gates. It starts in our home and then expands as God leads us. But listen, this is individual. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1. Listen to what he says. Listen to the individual responsibility in this verse of Scripture. He says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself. 
Listen to the individual responsibility. I'll stand on my guard, at my guard post and station myself on the rampart. And I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. He's talking about God here. And then he says, and how I may reply when I am reproved. Do you hear all the personal responsibility? There isn't a lot of, there's no in this verse, well, it's not my fault, it's their fault. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't he do that? Why didn't she? No, it's I. It's all me right here. And the interesting thing about this word, he says, and I'll see how I may reply when I am reproved. That word reproved is a very funny word. In my, not a funny in a, in, a, in a making fun of, but funny I can't say it, okay? And I don't even, I'll try, but I guarantee you this is wrong. So I'll put it on the screen for you. This is the Hebrew word. And it, I'm going to say in Georgia, we call it talk a chaff. I don't know. In Hebrew, it's probably more like talk ha, something like that. You know, there, there's definitely a ha in there somewhere. I guarantee you that. I know that much about Hebrew. It sounds like you're, you know, clearing your throat is terrible, but that's the way it works. And it simply means this. It means, watch, chastisement by words, correction, re, refute, uh, I can't even say that, uh, refute, I can't even say that, refutation, I didn't see that before, proof, even in defense, the thing about even in defense is no matter what you say, you can defend yourself all day long, but if God says you're wrong, no matter how much evidence you say I'm right, you're still wrong. I love this because so many times, no matter what we think we know, if he says you're wrong, you're still wrong. Yeah, but Wikipedia said it doesn't matter. You're wrong. He goes on, he says, it, says this, it's, it means for an argument, a reasoning, a rebuke, a reproof. It means to be often reproved. It means that as an individual, I go seek God, and here's what I do. I seek God, and I wait to see what he says to me. And if he tells me I'm wrong, then darling, guess what? I'm wrong. I mean, there's no denying, but, but as individuals, this is not always the most popular thing that we do, but these are individual gates. And this is why I can't take what's for me and my family and go knock on your door so you ought to do what we do. You shouldn't be watching those movies either. Now, I'm going to be honest. Now, look, just because I mean, I'll let my kid watch that one. I mean, I love some of the stuff that came out with Disney and things like that, and I've seen most all of them. But I, I'm not ready for my four-year-old to hear certain words. I know they're going to hear them. I, get, I understand that. I just ain't ready for her to hear it because I don't know if she might not just say it. Yeah, come up in children's church over there in preschool. One of y'all be teaching. All of a sudden, she says, Beep, and like, oh, there's the pastor. That's all I need to hear from somebody. Well, the pastor's daughter, you know, she dropped the bomb in here. Great. You know, as you, older, as you get older, you'd understand how to go like, okay, we don't use those words. You understand. But that's for you to decide. I can't force my family gates on you, and you can't force your family gates on me. But let me just say this. You should have some gates. If you tell me you have none, I'm going to tell you, you need to get some. Because today, baby, listen, you need, you need like three or four or five, six. You might need to wall your whole place with some gates today. You need something. You say, not in our house. That doesn't go. We don't do that. The next one is a spiritual gate. Now, much of what a church does is we establish spiritual gates. That's what we do as a church. All churches do this. No matter how we communicate it, we establish spiritual gates. And spiritual leaders, I'm not, I'm not 
it's hard doing this sometimes because I don't want you to think I'm referring to me when I preach this. Any church, pick any church, it doesn't matter. Pick any pre- spiritual leaders establish spiritual gates. They do. <clears throat> Most spiritual leaders are gatekeepers. That means they see things that are trying to get in and they see it and they say something about it. And, and, some, and people sometimes don't understand because you might be in the congregation and go like, I don't get it. Why? It's because they see something. They're trying to tell you it's coming down the road, but, but you might not see it yet. It doesn't mean you're not smart. It just means spiritually God speaks to spiritual leaders to establish spiritual gates. And we do it sometimes in a way that sometimes it's not popular. Most of what we do, I'm going to be real honest with you right now, most of what we do, I'm going to say me right now, has nothing to do with Bible studies. I study the Bible. I could, Look, if you want to get deep, I get deep with you, okay? I'll mess you up. I can get deep with you. Don't mess with me. I can. But I don't because it's not going to benefit the whole. Because I know there's folks in here right now that you're struggling just to try and read your Bible because you feel like you're not qualified to read your Bible. And that's a lie from the enemy. You're just as qualified to read your Bible as I am. If Jesus is your Savior, you break it open and sit down and tell the enemy to shut up. Why? Because you are just as qualified as me. But I know that in the room sometimes people are dealing with things like that. Most of what I do has nothing to do with Bible studies. has everything to do with, watch this, hearing what God says and doing my very best to deliver it in a way that he wants it to be delivered to help a congregation, not an individual. That's my biggest role. And regardless of whether it's popular or not, whether people like the word or not, a spiritual leader's job is to give it anyway. Like we're more in, we are more, I'll say it this way, I am more concerned, not about you inviting me to dinner. I'm more concerned about you inviting me to be delivered. Do you understand? I don't care if I eat pot roast with you or not. I love you, but that, you know, unless you cook really great, I, I might be open for that, but I'm just saying, it's not really my thing. You know, I would, I'd love to eat with everybody, but I can't. You know what's more important to me? Those, your life is so free that you know what? It changes your whole family dynamic. That's more important to me than eating pot roast with you. That's what a spiritual leader is supposed to do. Listen, let me, let me tell you why, because this is in Ezekiel. Now, I'm going to read this from Ezekiel, a little different maybe, but Ezekiel 33, listen to what he says, verse 2. He says, son of man, who's he talking to? He's talking to Ezekiel. Son of man, speak to the sons of your people and say to them, if I bring a sword upon the land and the people of the land take one man from among them and make him their watchman, and he sees the sword coming upon the land and he blows on the trumpet and he warns the people, then he who hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning and a sword comes and takes him away, his blood will be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. So his blood will be on himself. But had he taken warning, he would have delivered his life. Now watch the other side of this, though. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, somebody says to you, hey, there's a train coming. Don't go yet. You're an idiot. Bap! (laughs) Full born every day, right? Well, you'd say, well, that's not the guy's fault. He warned him, right? Watch the next verse, though. But, verse 6, if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity. 
but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. See, we, on us, spiritually, to establish spiritual, we carry a much greater weight than what people think about. Because if God gives me something and I don't say it to you, guess who's it's on me? Not on you, it's on me. It, you might get hurt because I didn't say anything, but that's on me. And so I'm not gonna ha- I ain't going to have that on my conscience. I may, may make somebody mad, but at least I said what I know. And I always love like this. People, well, you should say it a different way. If you didn't say it that way, then people get so mad. I don't care. I don't care. I don't, that's not, that, train's coming! You don't have time to go, well, let me see if this is okay for your palate. Are you okay with the way I just said this? No, a train's coming. You don't have time to stop and say, are you sensitive? Are you okay? I don't want to break your little spirit. No, 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 no. I'm trying to help you, right? Now, on the back end, I might say, you know, now looking back, at the moment, I probably could have said it differently. I probably shouldn't have said it like that. You know, I just didn't want you to get hit by a train. But that's on the back end. So you say it because you're concerned. You want people to know, here's what God is saying. Verse 7 says, now it's for you, son of man. I've appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. So sometimes you're going to hear things that you don't like. You just do, especially from spiritual leaders. I go for pastor's times and pastor retreats and whatnot, and I go and listen to messages. And some of the guys that I would consider overseers in my life and spiritual leaders for my life, you know, they preach messages. And when you're in a room with pastors, there's no, there's no mercy. They don't go like, hey, are you guys okay? They, there's no mercy. It's just like, poof, pow, pow, pow. You leave feeling like, I just got beat up, but I feel so good about it, you know? Like, it's, it's a really weird dynamic. But you hear things that you don't really want to hear. And here's what I found is that sometimes I try to be more attentive in the areas that I dislike more than the ones I do like. I'll say it again. I try to be more attentive in the areas that I dislike than in those I do like. And here's why. If I go, oh, man, man, you know, the grace of God is great. The joy of the Lord is awesome. Man, you're wonderful. Jesus loves you. Woohoo! You know what you feel? Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. But if I say anything like, you know what? You ought to check yourself. You ought to ask yourself, do you really love your wife like Christ loves the church? Dude, man, why you got to go there? Or you ought to love him, wife, as you would the Lord. The Lord? Oh, my Lord. Are you crazy? Do you know this man? I'm not going to love. How? See, that's where... We don't like that. And so what do you do? It's easy to do the things you like. You're not going to get offended at that. But watch this. It's so easy to get offended with something you don't like. And watch what happens. When you get offended by something you don't like, the enemy has the chance now to come in and steal the very thing that God wanted you to have away from you. That's why Jesus said that blessed are they who are not offended at me. Talking about Jesus, but his word. is He's not talking about himself. He's talking about his word. Why? Because it's easy to go with what you like. It's what you don't like that you got to check. And I'm always trying to listen a little more to what I don't like, to what I do, and, and ask myself, if I have a bad attitude, if I get mad about something, I don't like it, well, I don't agree with how they said it, then I stop and go, why do I say that? 
Why, why, do, why do I have this issue? And why is this so important? Because I want, to, I want you to hear why it's so important right now with spiritual gates. If I have the attitude that says, I don't agree with you, I don't like what you just said, I disagree with you, and I don't take the time to actually just study it or think about it or listen. I just I disagree with you completely. Like if I get mad about something, I get frustrated. And we all do. I'm not picking here. We all do, right? We everybody, don't look at me like so holy. We all hear things at times we don't like. When I get around the guys in, in Dallas and they preach things, there's, I don't like it sometimes, okay? Nobody wants to hear things they don't like. We all want to be told we're awesome. Gold star, yay. You know, everybody wants a gold star. Nobody wants to be like, no, you didn't get one today. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nobody leaves the building going like, woohoo, I didn't get a star, but everybody else did. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody does that. But if the things I don't like get pushed to the side, watch this. If I disagree with it, I get offended by it, and I say, that's not for me, and I don't want to hear it. Here's what happens. You may not think this, but this is what you're training yourself to pick and choose what you, what I want to hear. And in a world today where you can just scroll and hit a podcast on 10 reasons why Jesus loves you the best, or, oh, this can be this, and you can pick everything you want to hear, it gets harder and harder to be able to endure something you don't want to hear. And listen, I'm the same as you. I scroll through one and I'm like, oh, man, how to treat your wife better? I'm like, oh, man, I think I'd do pretty good with that. Oh, how you're awesome. Oh, let me hear that one. I do the same thing, right? But what you're doing is train yourself to pick what you want to hear. Watch this. Why is this so dangerous? Because what happens when one day you're walking along and the Holy Spirit says, I want you to talk to that person right over there. But we've trained ourselves to do what we want to do. Do you know what happens more often than not? We push that aside as being coffee or pizza or, you know, whatever diet I'm on is messing with my head. So, you know, I don't think that's God. I don't know. But it happens because we're trained ourselves to not be able to endure spiritual gates. God wants us to hear. He wants us to understand and help people. And the, the God, he says like this, God intended for us to grow together to reach out to our city. That's why spiritual gates are so important. So when a spiritual leader says something, when someone you're hearing somebody got preach or whatever, sometimes he says some things you don't want to hear. And sometimes you take that and you go like, man, I need to remove this gate in my life and put this one in. I need to take down, oh, I got a hole over here. I need to put something in place to keep the enemy out. It's all about protecting and sealing off and keeping your family in a great place. Spirit, let me be honest with you. I'm moving on after this. A spiritual leader, spiritual gates, their number one thing is this, to help a congregation bottom line. There is no other logical reason for doing what we do. It makes no other reason, no other sense. I mean, some people may want a power trip. I don't know. Maybe they are. But most guys I know, they're not. They're honestly love Jesus enough. They care about their flock. They just want to help them. You understand what I'm saying? So spiritual gates. Here's the last one, though. This last one is the city gates. And again, these are open or closed, and I believe, based on the spiritual climate in the churches. So Psalms 127 says this. It says Psalms 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house... 
They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards a city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. For it is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives his beloved sleep, or he gives his beloved sleep in the process, or he gives rest, one translation says. Matthew Henry says it like this. He says, you know, some people um, are, are morning people, some people are, are not owls, you know? How many guys are like morning people? You're like, no, I woke up this morning like before the sun. I woke the sun up. That's you. Raise your hand. Let me see it right now. Look at y'all. Y'all so cool. Y'all probably coffee at like three in the morning or something. How many of you guys are like night owls? You're more like, uh, uh, you know, I, I put the moon to bed. Okay, that's you. I got you. And there's uh, some of us kind of in between, right? Here's what Matthew Henry says. Most people will either be morning people, but very rarely can stay up with the night people. Some people are night people, but they can't get up early in the morning with morning people. What he says is, it's foolish for us to try to be a morning and a night person. It's what we call, my grandma told me, it's called, Jody, you're burning the candle at both ends, son. That's old school, but that'll preach right there. Take that home with you. Put that in your pocket. You might want to tweet something to somebody about that right there. Don't burn the candle at both ends. Why? Because you're going to run out of gas. It's foolish to do that. Watch this. It's just as foolish to think that somehow your governmental leaders are going to watch over your city in a way that's going to protect it without God. I'm not diminishing governmental leaders. I have friends who are governmental leaders. They're great people. We have some great leaders here in our city. But they'll tell you, please don't think for a moment we've got this all figured out on our own. Please pray for us and please stand strong as a church for the city. Because government without God, it gets in a mess. As we are seeing, the more we go on. So, when the Lord isn't our watchman, it affects every area. It affects your individual gates, it affects spiritual gates, and it affects the city gates. And the reason why I'm saying this to you this, this morning is this, because I believe that gates are assigned to each of us. And I think that many times you find out what gate you're assigned to in a congregation. There are city gates all around the community. There's things all around that you might not think about, but you're a part of. Some of you here, you love to pray. That might be one of your gates. Some of you out here, you love to teach or preach the Bible. That might be one of your gates. Some of you love to encourage people. You, all these different things we talk about, like in the Bible that we do, there are things that it's not just for you, it's for the city. And, and in our city, I believe you learn that stuff here. Do you realize that here? I mean, I tripped over Scotty's thing. I about took, took him down. I was more concerned about the guitar than I was him, to be honest with you, because I didn't know if this was the one or if it was not. It didn't matter. I was scared of like... Is that the one that like is 19 whatever? It's, shouldn't, I, I get nervous when he brings it. I'm like, dude, that's like vintage, you know. But, but I was more worried about his guitar than him. I know it sounds bad, but that's the truth. I was like, if I break that, uh, I can fix Scotty. I don't know if I can fix his guitar. <laughs> when I started at church, when I started in church, do you realize he, along with some other people, allowed me, I say allowed because that's where my talent was, they allowed me to, Ricky, I could probably have five arms, eight arms like an octopus and couldn't play like Ricky back here on these drums. But they allowed me to start here. That's where they, you know what I'm saying? They let me, because they knew, look, they needed somebody, one thing. But number two, (laughs) they let me struggle through my process. Somebody else came along, could play really great. You know what I got? I gave up my spot. They wanted me to sing. So I sang for a while. I did that for a while. 
After that, somebody asked me, hey, would you do some ushering stuff? I didn't have ushered, nothing. Okay, I'll do that. All the while, I did not know what was going on. I did not know God was trying to help me and develop me in some things. But the whole process led me through of God helping me figure out what gate am I a part of. And I think you find that here in a church. I really do. Because watch this. I'm just being real. This is one of those moments. Don't hate me, but I'm going to say it anyway. If somebody asks you to be a part of your local congregation, to simply open a door, rock a baby, love people, sing, play music, I don't know, work with kids, whatever, anything, it doesn't matter. And we say, that's not for me. I don't feel called. It's not, I'm not led for that. I don't, if there's nothing in the church that we don't feel called to, then it tells me then, if we don't have anything called to in the, in the church, in the congregation, I doubt very seriously God's going to have a gate out there for us to work in either. Because it starts here. It starts right here. And I think we find our gate here. Why is that important? Because Paul says we're a body of believers. A body of believers. We are the body of Christ. And every one of you in here, consider yourself one big body, if you will. Jesus is the head, not me. I mean, I may be running this little church here, but he's the head of the church. We come together as the body. That means every one of us, if you put us all together, look at all these joints that move, elbows, knees. That's just the stuff you can see. You know, from the anatomy of the human body is ridiculous. I mean, I study this weird, I know. I study neuroscience on the side, kind of whatever. But the brain is unbelievable. You can't even begin to imagine how many small connections there are in your mind and It's amazing, and we're part of that. We're the body of Christ. And watch this. We're supposed to move together. We're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to serve in our city, et cetera. What if I take my daughter to play basketball yesterday, and what if I take this approach? What if she's playing basketball, and she goes out, and she says, Dad, I need you to tie my shoe. I've got to run back out. But instead of tying her shoe, I tie her laces together. And I send her back out there. Go get them, baby. Yeah. And she's like trying to, you know, like, what did you do, Dad? That's foolishness, right? Watch this. It is no more foolish to do that than for a body of believers to just sit sometimes and think somebody else is going to handle everything else. It cripples the power of a church, the effectiveness of a church. Oh, and I know we want to reach a city. Oh, we want to reach a nation. But I'm telling you right now, if we can't reach our congregation, how are we ever going to reach a city? How are we ever going to reach out to a city if we can't reach opening a door or just simply serving in a nursery? <clears throat> My grandma is 80, 83. So be careful. 83, I believe, right? I'm not going up and higher than I think it's 83 maybe this year. You know, you got to be careful of that stuff, you know, throwing numbers around. She's rocking babies right now. And you know why? Now, let me just, don't point out something to you. Now, that lady's rocked me. She rocked her kids. So my uncle, my mom, she rocked them. She's rocked me. She's rocked, wait a minute, she's rocked great grandkids. Yeah. I mean, how many grandkids she got? I don't know. She's rocked all of us. She's rocking somebody else's kids right now. Let me tell you something about her. Now, she probably wouldn't want me to say this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Don't tell her I said nothing. But 
you know, it's not easy for her. It's not. It's not easy. You know, joints kind of hurt now. I mean, you know, now don't mess with her. She's tough. She whoop your tail. <laughs> I ain't playing with you on that. I don't think she can. She can. But it's not easy. You know why she doesn't? She did call us. Uh, one of our leaders called and said, hey, could you help out? She told me last night, I said, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to try again. I'm going to do it again. I say it to you because I think sometimes we think, well, somebody else is going to do it. The reality is we are a congregation. God needs you. You learn your gate here to influence the city out there. And when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, I'm building the ecclesia. He's building it. I close with this thought. I'm going to wrap up with this thought that Jesus said the scripture. Well, watch this and pay very close attention to this right here. Matthew 16 and verse 13. The power of an individual gate, spiritual gate, and city gates. Okay? <clears throat> Jesus said this to Peter. When he came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. This is what other people say he is. Now keep watching, listen. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what he, Jesus said, well, who do you say you I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Who do you say I am? Not what other people say that I am. Who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock or this revelation that you just received from my Father in heaven, I will build my church or the ecclesia, the called out ones that have come together for Christ. And watch this. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Notice the working together here. It's awesome. You're an individual. You're on your own. Who, Jesus, who do people say that I am? And as an individual, like people say, well, I don't know, you're Elijah, John the Baptist. I don't know who you are. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? And he said, all of a sudden, a revelation from heaven. It wasn't, come on, it wasn't Peter. Man, you know, he was thinking about fishing or something. It wasn't him. A revelation from heaven came right down. You're the Christ. You're, you're the Christ. He said, that's exactly right. And watch this. Your individual life just got hit with a spiritual revelation. And I'm going to use that, Peter, to change this whole region, if you'll let me. So much so that on this revelation, the very gates of hell aren't going to stop what we're going to do together. Do you understand, Peter, what I'm saying to you? Oh, yeah, Lord, of course. So he goes on. He says this. <clears throat> Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In other words, I'm going to give you the keys. And whatever gate you need to open, you're going to have power and authority to open it. There was no gates of hell. See, we think in terms of defense. We think, well, you know, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail because of the way it's written. We think they're coming at us. Wrong. No, no, no. They have strongholds in the city. They've already established by multi-generations back. People you don't even know set up junk here in the city. God's not sitting and has to sit around and go like, protect your church. Oh, don't come near me. Kick them out, kick them out. No, 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 don't come. No, no, no. It's not defensive. It's offensive. 
We're supposed to take the keys and go out into the city, into the region, and unlock certain things, say, no, enough. No, we're taking this back in Jesus' name. This little spot right here, here's the key. Click, open the gate. We're coming through. That's what we're supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to work. But watch, though. God wants to do that. Don't you know he wants to do that? I mean, you see God in heaven going like, yeah, no, I don't know about that opening gate stuff. They might get out of control. They really start using my name. No, he wants you to advance. But watch this. He wants us to advance. But let me ask you this question. How can we advance the gates in a city if we get offended when a spiritual leader says, here's some spiritual gates you need to establish? Or if as an individual life, I refuse to hear from God and put up individual gates? See, it all matters. It's all connected. And this morning, I want us to really hear this and understand that the gates of hell can't stop the church. It won't. It won't. But I promise you this, this one thing is true. The gates of hell can't stop the church. You and I have the power and authority to move forward. But God starts first right here with our individual hearts or individual gates. And then he moves you into a more of a spiritual realm where he says, okay, here's some spiritual gates. You know what? This is where it all gets in. This is where God begins to teach us stuff. You know, I learned a lot of stuff in church, but you know the one thing I did not learn? I did not learn how to rebel in church. That came naturally. <laughs> right? How many of y'all can preach it, testify it? Amen. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I got you. Church didn't have to teach me how to rebel. That came naturally. Now tell me what to do. I'll tell, tell you what to do. That's called, that's just normal human nature. You know what I learned in the church? How to put down my flesh. How to lay aside what I want and prefer others over myself. I learned those things. Spiritual gates. But that's all building. And I know we want to run out there and reach the city. But I'm telling you right now, God wants to too. But he's saying, let's get the spiritual house right and get your individual house right. And then you know what? You can go out there and take the city. But there's a reason why the Bible says judgment starts in the house of the Lord. That is not a condemnation statement. It is about a reflection of who we are and what we're doing for God. It says, you know, God's been talking to me about this for years, and I've refused to walk down this street, but I'm going to do it now in Jesus' name. God's been talking to me about this for a while now, and I'm not doing it, and I need to step into that. It's not sin. It's, a, it's an acceptance of what God says for us to do. So this morning, here's what I'm asking. I ask our praise team to come up, and we're going to close up with a, some time of worship. And, but I want to challenge every one of us here right now to hear my heart and hear my voice in this. You're here, and you're listening to what I'm saying. And God has talked to you about an individual gate for a while. He's telling you, listen, there is a gate I need you to establish for your family, and it needs to be done. And you won't do it because it's not popular. Or you won't do it because your kids are going to get mad at you. Throw temper tantrums or whatever else they do. You, you, know, you won't do it because what if your spouse doesn't like You won't do it because it's not going to be cool anymore. But I'm telling you, there is freedom in individual gates that you set up for your home. It'll create much more peace. It'll create much more presence in your heart and your life.
And for some of you in here, man, there's spiritual gates. Maybe you've been hurt by a spiritual leader. And let me just tell you something, that stinks. Been there, got the t-shirt. It's not fun at all. I mean, it stinks. It's like the worst thing ever. Because not only do you have to deal with them on an emotional level, I'm hurt emotionally at the fact of what's going on. Now, it's a spiritual issue too. I'm hurt spiritually. And it's hard because you want to hear from God and pray to God and, and move with God, but you can't get past the spiritual hurt because somebody else, it's just a weird thing. But you're here this morning now. I mean, you need to do it because you can't move forward because you, you're, you're looking at me sometimes. You're thinking about the guy that hurt you. You can't get past that and hear from God sometimes because you're looking at me or you're looking at maybe it's Pastor Steve preacher or maybe Pastor Ronnie preacher, whoever. And every time you hear a leader preach, you hear that other person that hurt you. And I'm telling you, we're not them. You got to let it go. You got to let God heal you of that so you can listen and hear from the God again because God speaks in his church. Not, not one guy. He speaks, though, in his church. And then maybe you're here right now, though, and you got such a heart and a passion for the city. And you say, why don't we do this? Might I just ask you, why don't we start here? Because could we really bring in right now? I could bring right now, I could get a bus, and I could bus in 100 kids by next week. I could do it. I know how to do it. I could do it. But you know what? We couldn't handle it. Oh, we'd love to hear it. Oh, let's pack the place out, Pastor. We couldn't handle it because we don't have enough people to help park cars. Well, it'd be great, wouldn't it be? All? No, it wouldn't be great. It'd be chaos. And then you know what people would leave with? They'd say, they don't care about my kids. They don't care about whether I'm here because we're not ready for it. So I'm challenging you right now, wherever you're at, you've been here long enough. It's your church, your family. Where is it God's asked you to plug in at? Where is it? We want to reach a city, but it starts right here. It starts right here. So I'm going to challenge you with those areas right now. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head right now. And if you're mad at me right now, you've got a time for you to forgive me. Get over it right now. Like this is the time where the Lord's going to tell you, hey, look, don't get mad at him. Forgive him. Move on. You're here in any of these areas I mentioned, you need to, you need to ask the Lord to help you through it. Just right where you are, just surrender your heart, man, to Jesus. Just surrender your heart to Jesus. I want to pray a prayer for you right now. But I want you just to take this moment. Give God whatever you need to give him. Dear Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come before you and we submit to you right now. Father, we give you our hearts right now. Dear Lord, we give you our lives right now. God, may there, if there are offenses in our life, there's some in here right now, Lord, that they've got pain from a spiritual leader that's hurt them. They were let down. They were heartbroken. Somebody just, they took advantage of them or whatever the case was. I don't know, God, but I just hear, I, in my heart, I know there's people here that that's, that's a real issue. And Lord, you know how much I, I pray they would release that right now, God. Lord, you know how hard that is on people. And I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, just do a work of your grace right now and heal people. Heal people that have been hurt in the name of Jesus. Help them release it, Lord. 
And there are those here right now, God, you're speaking to, they need to put up some individual gates in their home. God, their home is wide open. Anything and everything's coming in and going out, God, and they've got to set up some, some gates at home. Holy Spirit, give them the strength to do it. And Lord, there's those, man, they have such a heart for the city, such a heart for the world. God, I know it all starts in your house. So I'm asking you to speak today, Lord. Whatever area that they are, man, the passion they have for the city, I pray that you give them an area where they can be passionate about that as well in their church. That we can reach out and reach a city for Christ. I just thank you for it, Lord. God, if there is anybody here, Lord, I know we prayed earlier, but some may have came in and I don't want to ever leave and give an opportunity for people to accept you. If you're here today, you don't know Christ, we're going to pray this prayer together as a church. So as your eyes are closed, you just pray this with this whole church right now. You need to receive Jesus. You just pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, I come before you today. I give you my heart and my life. I surrender today to you. I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.